Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down Luke chapter 10, but before we get into Luke chapter 10, I just want to say thank you for being a listener. Thank you for watching on YouTube, but most of all, thank you for sharing the Grind It Podcast and making it successful as you have, as you share it with your friends and your family and your co-workers, just people that you know. You are giving them the opportunity to know Jesus, and if they already know Jesus, you're giving them the opportunity to grow even closer to Jesus because what we try to do with these podcasts is just take God's Word and break it down section by section, verse by verse, and and, and talk about it and talk about what's going on in, in quite a bit of detail. And and as we do that, we, we get to know Jesus and His disciples in a more intimate way. And like I said, today we're going to be breaking down Luke chapter 10. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you for uh, watching and thank you for listening and thank you for sharing the Grind It podcast. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, the, in, from the previous podcast, Jesus had commissioned his 12 disciples. And he, and that would be the hand-picked disciples, the one that he went around choosing, his, his faithful, if you want to call them faithful 12 that walked around with Jesus everywhere that he went. Uh, he commissioned them to go into nearby villages, and he gave them power to, to heal people and to cast out demons. And, and their, their, uh, their instructions was to go into these villages that they've never been before. You can't carry anything with you except for the clothes that's on your back. And, you know, no extra money, not, not even walking stick, uh, you know, just nothing. You're going to leave home base. You're going to take what you have, which is the clothes on your back, and you're going to go into these places you've never been before. You're not going to have any protection. You're not going to have any food. You're not going to have any money. You're strictly going to have to rely on God. And and, and so we talked about uh, do we really fully trust in God because that's what they had to do. And and so they went into these villages, and, and they were to tell the people that the kingdom of God is here. And, and they would back up their message with these miracles or they would cast out demons. And if the people accepted the message, then that's great. But if the people rejected the message, they were to shake the dust off their feet and move on. And Jesus told them that he said that if you find a place to uh, th- that accepts the message, stay there. If the people are inviting you uh, in, he says, stay there and, and don't go from, you know, don't travel from house to house and stay with these people. He found, you find you a home base you stay with those people. Their hospitality will—they'll take care of you, and you go and do what I've told you to do, what I've commissioned you to do, and that's to preach the message and and to show uh, that that the message is true because of these miracles that that you are are working. And so Luke chapter ten starts off very similar, but instead of the twelve handpicked disciples, Jesus is going to commission seventy-two other people that he has picked and chosen just randomly, to basically do the same thing that, that he has given the authority and the power to the hand-picked disciples. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to commission these 72 people to go into nearby villages and towns that he is soon to be traveling into. In other words, they're kind of preparing the way for Jesus, kind of like what John the Baptist was doing. And, and, and 
they would go in and they, and they were to, you know, not take anything with them. And they were going to have to be trusting solely on God. And they would go in and try to find a place to stay that somebody was, you know, was hospitable toward them and, and would feed them. And they would stay there and then they would travel from house to house preaching the message of the kingdom of God is here. And then they, they, Jesus gave them the power, just like he did the, the original 12. He gave these 72 the power and authority to cast out demons and to do miracles. So it could you know, back up the message that they were preaching. And this is how Luke tells the story in, in Luke 10, verses uh, 1 through 16. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his, his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. You've probably heard a lot of sermons on those verses right there. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Which is kind of strange, but that's what he said to do. You don't stop and greet anybody on the road. Maybe it was dangerous or something because they're, you know, in a, in a new place. I, I don't know what the reason why is that he told them that, but that's that's what he said. That's the the command. Don't stop and greet anyone on the road. You get to your destination. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, "May God's peace be on this house." And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. And if they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. It's just, just like he told the 12. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wiped even the dust of your town off from our feet. To show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long, long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. And that was what they did in the Old Testament for repentance. They would put on burlap sacks. And, and throw ashes on them and up in the air in, in a sign of repentance. They tore their clothes and many things like that. He says, And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. And then he said to his disciples, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So, as we can see, this is, like I said at the very beginning, this is a very similar situation to when Jesus picked the, the original 12 to, and he commissioned them to go into these, these villages and these towns. He has chosen these 72 other disciples and he has commissioned them to do, to do the very same thing, to go into these towns and these villages. Don't stop and meet anybody that you meet on the road. Just keep going. Get to your destination and, and here's your message. You preach to them that the kingdom of God is is near and you you can work miracles to back up your message you can cast out demons to back up the message and if you know if they were accepted they were per, to pronounce a blessing on that home or upon that town but if they were rejected they were to take that blessing back um, and so 
Jesus tells them to eat whatever is provided for them. This, that would be a very difficult thing for me because I'm a very picky eater. But I would want to do what Jesus commanded me to do. But if they put anything green before me, oh, that would be so hard. But I want to point out just a few things uh, in particular that, that Jesus says to uh, the 72 disciples. The first thing I want to point out is this. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. The first thing I want to point out in that is who's in charge of the harvest? God is, not us. We plant and we water. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, in his Corinthian letter. We plant and we water, and it is God who brings the increase. There, there is nothing you and I can do to somebody to make them accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All we can do is present him to a person and give them the opportunity to say uh, uh, yes or no. And, and that, was, that was the commission that Jesus gave these uh, 72 disciples. You go and you preach the kingdom of God is here now. So the harvest... Then, if you think about it, the harvest would be ginormous at that time because it was a very new concept. God has been silent for over 400 years. They 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 have the the prophets and they have the law, so they they are expecting a Messiah. They just had no idea exactly when he was coming. There were signs that pointed to the Messiah that they could look to, and even when Jesus was there, they simply chose to reject those signs because they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. He, for some reason, they just could not grasp that, uh, that this wanderer, this nomad who didn't have a place to lay his head, didn't have a home, they were expecting royalty, but they get some guy that's born in a manger among the animals. They just, they just could not grasp Jesus as the Messiah. And so this, this is a new concept that God's been silent for 400 years. Now, all of a sudden, John the Baptist has been out there preparing the way. He's now dead and gone. He's been beheaded. And Jesus' ministry is, is, has been started. It's going on. And he's traveling around. And he's t preaching and teaching. And he's healing. And he's bringing hope. He's bringing joy uh, to all these people. And, and so with this being a new concept, just think about the harvest and, and how many people are just ripe and ready to hear this message of the kingdom of God is here and that Jesus the Messiah is here and he is about to die for the sins of mankind and to be resurrected to give us hope. Miracles are being done, demons are being cast out, the dead are being uh, raised back to life. Uh, things that people have never seen before are happening and it's all because Jesus wants them to know the miracle worker and that's the message that we have for people today we have the gospel the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus and we are to be sharing that message for people or to people or with people to give them hope to give them that opportunity to say yes i want jesus in my life or to say no i, I just don't care anything about it and, and unfortunately even with jesus walking around on this earth there were hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that rejected Jesus and his message, which is, is just mind-boggling to me. Um, here we are, you know, if you think about it, we're 2,000 years past this event, and, and the harvest is still huge. You think there, there's a whole lot more people on the earth than it was 
when Jesus was walking around on the earth. So the harvest is still huge, and unfortunately, the workers are still few. There are tons of churches here in the south. If, if you're from the south, if you're listening to this and you're from the south, you know exactly what I mean. It seems like they're on every street corner. Everywhere you turn around, there's a church. And, you know, Uncle Joe's gotten mad at Uncle Bob and uh, and, and built a church across the street. And they're, they're, you know, got 10 to 15 people in it in both churches. And they're barely uh, struggling to, to keep their doors open. Um, there, there's just churches everywhere. But, you know, if you think about it, Jesus hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. The message has not changed. So why is there such a struggle with churches today to keep their doors open, to, to grow and to prosper? And by prosper, I mean being out there winning souls to, to Jesus. Well, we are the problem. If you think about it, we change. We change in the next five minutes our our attitude changes our minds change you know uh we we change all kinds of you know, we change our minds you know i i want a cheeseburger for lunch no i think i'll get pizza you know just just simple things like that but we 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 change on a daily basis but the bible says that god never changes that jesus never changes um our my, the preacher of the church I attend at, at Partnership Christian Church just actually just preached a message uh, the, on New Year's uh, the Sunday for the, the the first Sunday of the new year about how God never changes and uh, the the worship songs that I chose to lead in was all about God never changing um, but we do people change on, on a daily basis and and we are the problem when it, you know we want salvation. We want the benefits of heaven. We want the blood of Jesus to wash our sins away. But what we don't want to do is that four-letter word that we all dread, and that four-letter word is work, W-O-R-K. Because if you think about it, you know we, we work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Some people work 70 hours a week, and we're tired, and, and we don't want to work. We don't want to go to church and have to work we don't want to uh want to have our sins forgiven and have to go out and and work not to be saved but because we are saved and people need to hear the message but bottom line is when we put jesus christ on as a garment as he says in paul says in romans when we put on the garment of Christ, when we're washing His blood and we make Him our Lord and Savior, we signed up as a volunteer, as a disciple, as a follower, and Jesus has given us the Great Commission that you can find in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And He tells us to go and teach people, to tell people about Him and to baptize them, making them disciples. And it's work. And, you know, we don't want to think as following Jesus as work. But that's exactly what it is. And I'll dive more into this when we come back from break. We'll be right back. We all know technology is great when it's operating properly, but when it's not, it can be a huge headache. Well, I want to tell you about my friend Joshua. He is a tech guru, and he is here to help you with any problems that you are having with your computer or your phone. Joshua offers computer troubleshooting. He can get rid of those viruses that slow your computer down. He offers computer training. He offers iPhone and iPad tutoring. He has Wi-Fi support. 
He offers web hosting. Joshua can come over to your house or he can help you with your situation by phone. Check out his website at joshuastechservices.com or give him a call at 865-268-6698. James makes it clear in his, in his writings that faith without works is dead. And it, it, that's point blank the truth. Faith without works is dead. We don't work because uh, we're working towards salvation. We are saved by the grace of God. Paul tells us that. And, 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 and that's absolute fact. But if we don't work, if we don't share Jesus with others, if we don't produce fruit, Jesus makes it plain in the Gospels that those who don't produce fruit are, are cut off from, from the branch and thrown into the fire because they're useless. And, and James makes it clear that faith without works is dead. So I just want to encourage you to share Jesus. Get out there and work. And I, and I just want to share some statistics that I heard uh, when I was in Bible college and some that uh, I got off of a website called pastoralcareinc.com. And if you want to check those out, uh, feel free to. You can Google any of these st statistics and find these. But it says... Um, one thing that I heard in Bible college was this, that less than 3%, three, now think about this, 3% of Christians, people who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, their sins have been forgiven, they're on their way to heaven, and they have been commissioned to share this message with others and give other people the same hope that they have. Less than 3% of Christians share their faith with Jesus and somebody accepts the Lord Jesus Christ and are baptized for the remission of their sins. Less than 3% of Christians have converted somebody to Jesus. That is absolutely absurd and insane of a statistic. But I want to share some others that I found in studying for this podcast. Check this out. 4,000 new churches begin each year and 7,000 churches close. 4,000 churches, new ones, begin each year and 7,000 close. Over 1,500 pastors left the ministry every month last year. 1,500 a month. Over 1,300 pastors were terminated by the local church each month, many without cause, which, in, in my opinion, the churches put unrealistic expectations on their preacher. They expect the preacher to do everything, and that's not the way it was designed to do. You, you, in, first of all, you don't have just one pastor. You have pastors. It's always plural in the book of Acts. And, and, and the churches today have this mentality, well, we paid the preacher, and that's what he's supposed to do, so he needs to go do his job. Well, that, that's just a bad attitude for a church to have. Um, Everybody, everybody, the, the, the preacher is no different than, than the person sitting in the pew. They are, they are forgiven of their sins just because they step up on a stage and they preach and, and they bring messages uh, on Sundays and on Wednesday nights and they teach, teach the Bible. It, it, they are no different than the average person who sits in the pew or in the chairs on Sunday mornings and, and but but they are for some reason people elevate the preacher to a higher status and and, 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 and 
Too many people have the attitude that since they are paid, that that is their job, and they even have job descriptions uh, of what the preacher is supposed to do. But in reality, when you break it down, truth be told, that it is everybody's job. It is because Jesus has commissioned anyone who follows him to share the message of the gospel with others and convert people to Jesus to produce fruit. Listen to this. Over 3,500 people a day left the church last year. 3,500 people left the church every day last year. One out of every 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor. One out of 10. That means nine quit the ministry and, and, and did other things. And, and I would be one of those. Uh, I haven't been in full-time work for several years now uh, most preachers quit within the first two years after getting into ministry because they had no idea it was going to be so difficult and the average time a preacher is at a church is anywhere from a year to a year and a half preachers are burning out uh, left and right because like I said they're overworked and they don't have support if you go to this website or you can pick any website about these statistics You'll read about preachers being depressed, lonely, uh, thought about committing suicide. Many have committed suicide, unfortunately. And it, 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 when you see these statistics, it will absolutely blow your mind. And, and people that have never been in ministry really have no idea how hard it is to be a pastor, how, how hard it is to be an elder of a church, and I think that's one of the reasons why Paul says, when, when he gave the qualifications for an elder, the very first thing he said was, "If you desire such a position, and and if you know what goes on, uh, and how hard it is on their families and on and, 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 and the pastors' wives and their kids, and the elders' wives and their kids, the deacons' wives and their kids, you 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 would understand why Paul said that if you desire it, because." Uh, I, I, I have the utmost respect, I'll put it that way, for anyone who chooses to be in uh, a, a position of leadership in a local church because it is very, very difficult because you have however many goes to your church, if it's 100, if it's 50, if it's 200, 300, that's how many bosses you have and everybody thinks it should be done their way and everybody has an opinion and everybody will let you know what their opinion is. And if you don't have a good support group under you, like you know Jesus did, that's why he had 12 people around him, and then he had three that he was really close to, Peter, James, and John. There's a reason why Jesus had that support group. And, 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 and as a leader in a congregation, you have to have that support group, because if you don't, you will burn and you will burn quickly. And, and you may just fade away into the sunset, and it happens far, far too often. But I, I just want to say that, again, it is everybody, everybody that has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, it is your responsibility to share the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and give people hope, to give them the opportunity to have their sins forgiven and not just the preachers not just the church leaders it is everybody 
that has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ responsibility to teach that message. And, and, and one thing I do want to say about this uh, before I go on to the second thing that I want to share with you is uh, throwing money at something is, is not getting the job done. Jesus commissioned these 72 to go out into those villages, not with money, and, and, and say, well, I'll just, you know, one of the 72 didn't say, well, I'll just give some money to the 70, other 71 and support their effort that way. It's not what Jesus said. That's not what happened. You know, it's good that you give money to, to uh, causes, and it's good that you give money to missionaries and, and churches to help support the work. But don't let that be a substitute of you actually getting out there and working. I know you work for a living, and I know you're tired. We work uh, a lot. We have kids. We, we you know we're going to sporting events, and we do everything. Don't, don't, um, don't be so busy that you you know that you leave Jesus out and, and the work that He has called us to do. Now, the second thing I, I want to get into is what uh, Jesus said. He says, Now go and remember that I am sending you as lambs among wolves. Well, think about that. You think about a, a hungry wolf. You know, what's that song from the uh, 80s? Hungry like a wolf. The, a, a, a lamb has no chance. Uh, that was Vincent McMahon's song when he came out in, in the WWE. When it, no chance. A, 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 a lamb would have no chance in a fight against a wolf. It, it's just food for the wolf. And if the wolf was to attack, they, they, a, a lamb is they're, 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 they're toast. Or not really toast. They're going to be meat. They're going to be food for that wolf. And so they're, they're warned before they ever start the journey. Hey, this is not going to be easy. And Jesus says, you're, you're basically, you're going to have to put your trust in me that I'm going to take care of you. And as Jesus was warning them about who, uh, about people who were ungodly, people who were worldly, people who didn't give a rip about God, um, to like, just like today, not only do to, today, we as Christians, we, we have to be concerned with wolves. Out, uh, we have to be like these 72 were that we have to be worried about wolves who are outside of Jesus right they're going into these villages they don't know the people they've never met them before and they're going to be sharing this message of the kingdom is here now but we have to be concerned with wolves inside the church and this is absolutely uh, sad it's 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 ridiculous that that we have more wolves in sheep's clothing clothing if you will inside our churches and we have people who stumble and fall in our churches and, and people just like a wolf, they just pounce on the lamb that is wounded and just tear them to pieces. And it's absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous and, it, it, and it's sad that it, it happens that way. And if you think about Judas Iscariot, you know, Judas Iscariot was the one who betrayed Jesus. He, he hung out with Jesus for three years just like the other 11 disciples and and he was there to see all the miracles he was there to see the the the, the raising of the dead and the the, the lepers cleansed and the, the blind eyes open he he was there it, even he 
could work miracles and cast out demons. He was one of the 12 that was sent into these villages. So he even had the power to do these miracles and to cast out these demons. And he preached into these when he went into these villages and these cities about the kingdom of God. But yet, Judas was stealing money from the other 11 the whole time. He was stealing money from Jesus himself because Jesus was the part of the group. Judas was the treasurer of the group. And John, when we studied John's gospel, you can go back and listen to those podcasts when you have a chance. But John made it clear that Judas was stealing money out of the money bag all of this time for over three years. And Jesus never condemned him for it. And if you think about it, it, it at the end, uh, when it was time for Jesus to, to be crucified, it was Judas who was conspiring with the enemy so they could arrest Jesus. So as I just want to point this out as we uh, are coming to the end of this podcast that um, sometimes your enemy is not from the outside, but your enemy is on the inside. And that, that is sad to say, but there are people in the church who, who will do anything they can to bring a person to their knees. They don't like the preacher. They don't like the way he dresses. They don't like his wife. They don't like this elder. They don't like this deacon. There's something going on with this member. And they'll do anything they can to run that person in the ground. They are a wolf in sheep's clothing. And, and I just want to say, don't be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the last thing that I want to cover real quickly as we come to a close is that Jesus said to his, these, these 72 disciples, he says, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who has sent me. I had someone tell me one time, they said, it has nothing to do with the messenger. It has everything to do with the message. You know, the gospel is preached in many different ways. There's some preachers that, that are entertaining and they can tell the gospel in an entertaining way and keep your attention. There are preachers who are just as boring as crap and, and they're hard to listen to and, you know, a lot of people fall asleep. But the message is still being told. It, it, it's not about the messenger. It's all about the message. And, and if you think about our world today, we're, we're so much into entertainment and, and and we've been conditioned to have commercials going on every few minutes you know every seven to ten minutes then you got three or four minutes worth of commercials it's kind of like we got to take a break here and 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 a preacher nowadays if he can preach 20 minutes he does good but you know, and if you go overseas or you go into a third world country where they're just hungry for the gospel, or they're hungry for a Bible teaching, they'll 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 make you sit there all day long. And if you try to quit, they, they will they'll get you to keep going because they're just so hungry. So there's there's a lot of things in the local church that 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 preachers are uh, wrestling with, I guess. And and one thing that they don't want to be wrestling with is their own people. Uh, and and thinking about what Jesus says here, anyone who 
accept your message is also accepting me and anyone who rejects your message is rejecting me one of the things that i struggle with when, when i was uh preaching on a full-time basis I, and i've worked with small churches mostly in the past i'm talking about 15 to 20 people and you know we're trying to get churches to grow and we're out there working and and and, and we're sharing the gospel we're inviting people to our church services and and i can remember walking over to a window and just watching the parking lot for 15 to 20 minutes before service time started just praying that somebody would 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 pull in and i'm i'm thinking you know what in the world is wrong with me what am i not doing that is causing people to not want to be here and and i had to realize it has nothing to do with me it had you know i'm doing all that i can and 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 there's you know it, it's the same concept as you know my podcast is small. I, I, I have uh, uh, I have several listeners. I have people who you know watch it on YouTube, and I have people that listen on their phones. But there's other podcasts from preachers and and, and other podcasts that just have millions and millions of, of of followers and listeners. And I'm thinking, you know, why why do I have so few when they have so many? What what's different from them than me? But, but I have to realize, and you have to realize. That, that we are, our job, our responsibility is to plant seed and to water seed. So do your job. I'm going to do my job. You do your job. And it is up to God to bring the increase. It is up to God to bring the, the fruit. We have to give people, just like these 72, we have to give people the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus and so our responsibility our only really our only responsibility is to tell people about Jesus and what he's done in our life and and how he can save them if they would just trust in him the death the burial and the resurrection and what he's done for us and he has shed his blood for us and if and, and if they accept that message hey that's great you produce fruit and they're on their way to heaven but if they reject the message jesus said that they are not rejecting us they're not rejecting you and you and me they're rejecting him and not only are they rejecting him jesus but they are rejecting god who sent him god the father so i just want to leave you with this challenge to get out there and share the message of hope. Tell people what Jesus has done in your life and tell them what he can do in their life and share with them the, the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and give them that opportunity to say yes or to say no. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Keep grinding and have a great day. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.